1: This is Forbidden Speech, The Raw Truth, with your host, Christina Rivera. In this savvy broadcasting series, we delve into hot topics affecting us all. With cancel culture and big tech censoring any opposing ideas and thoughts outside of mainstream ideology, it has become more important than ever that we tell the raw truth about everything from U.S. world politics, COVID, Christianity, and everything in between. We invite all points of view to come and share their perspective honestly and respectfully. Hi, Sherry Few. Welcome to Savvy Broadcasting's... Uh, forbidden speech the raw truth we're so grateful to have you here today we're going to talk about a very important topic one of which we've not covered on our our channel yet but is very important and that is what parents have to be aware of with regards to educational system what's really going on behind the scenes that parents might not be aware of and what do they need to know to take charge of their children's education you work for us P I E. And uh, that stands for United States parents involved in education and what parent doesn't want to be involved in their child's education. We hope all of them do. But before that, we talked just briefly about your kind of going into this and finding out more over 20 years ago, you started to see a problem. Share a little bit about this background.
0: Okay, great. So yes, when my children were in middle school about twenty years ago, I noticed um, some problems in the history curriculum. Actually, it was in geography, but you know they they uh, put the propaganda in all sorts of subjects. But uh, I had some concerns there. And in addition, there was some very insidious sex education standards being proposed by our State Board of Education. Mm-hmm. So myself and other parents organized in the state where I live in South Carolina. And we fought those standards and we were successful in pointing those standards more toward an abstinence until marriage type education for the sex education. And so that is uh, what led to me forming South Carolina Parents Involved in Education. So that's how it started was at a state level in the state where I live. And so following that, we, we had several initiatives we were involved with, but the most Um, important one was our fight against the common core standards. If you're familiar with that, that was about 10, 12 years ago. So in South Carolina, we had a two or three year battle where we lobbied and um, gained a lot of attention from the legislature and we had a bill to repeal common core. So the uh, repeal bill was amended down and it it simply required a rewrite of standards and it left it up to the next superintendent of education to uh, be in charge of that process. Mm-hmm. That led to me running for state superintendent of education and I narrowly missed the runoff in a nine candidate race. Then it left it to another um, one of my opponents to rewrite the standards and we ended up with Common Core Rebranded just under a different name. Mm-hmm. So I tell you all that because it's important about, uh, to understand the evolution of the national organization. So I began to communicate with other leaders around the country who had the same experience, had a long battle uh, to repeal Common Core only to have the standards rebranded. So every state in the country still has Common Core, except for Florida because Mm -hmm. of Governor DeSantis and and the legislature in Florida, they, they actually have done a good job in replacing those standards. And they're even beginning to look at eliminating uh, the standardized tests that usually accompany those standards. So Florida is really setting a precedent for the rest of the country in education policy. So can I, I, just... can I
1: stop you really quick? Because I want to get Absolutely. understanding and, and maybe parents listening in. Um, okay. I was not in the school system when Common Core came to be. But what is your perspective on why they created Common Core um, <laughs> in, in general?
0: Well, it, it was an intentional agenda and it was about dumbing down students. You know, they've been focused on achievement gaps for many years. And so when they realized the achievement gaps just kept getting wider, what they decided to do was to lower the standard so that the expectations for the lowest uh, achieving students would, would be easier to achieve. So it was it was a dumbing down process. You know, it's There were a lot of problems with Common Core, but the one that I like to talk about and point out the most to parents is the K through three standards are developmentally inappropriate. So they cause a student to have to think abstractly, which their brains are not developmentally capable of doing. So young children, as you can imagine, this is the foundation of their education, is those early years. And young children are frustrated, um, when we were fighting this, we would hear from parents that they're crying and don't want to go to school. And so, you know, that's a huge problem. And that's been going on for 10 years now. So what I was uh, getting around to was the uh, leaders around the country that I was speaking to had this same experience. And that's when we decided to expand into a national organization. Mm-hmm. And that's United States Parents Involved in Education and our mission is to end the federal Department of Education and all federal education mandates returning local and parental control to education. And that's so important because we understood that that's where all the nefarious pedagogies are coming from. And it's incentivized with federal dollars. With Common Core, it was the Race to the Top grants. Now with Critical Race Theory, it's COVID ESSER 3 funds that are requiring school districts when they take the money, which every state and every school district in the country took the money, Mm -hmm. they had to certify that they would advance equity and inclusion and social emotional learning, which are the vehicles that they Mm -hmm. use to teach critical race theory in K-12. So that's the national organization. We have 20 state chapters Mm -hmm. and we're growing, as, as you can imagine, because parents are really outraged and had enough. And so This also led to what we've done over the last couple of years, which is develop a documentary, and it's called Truth and Lies in American Education, and it's going to be released the end of next week, and we're real excited about it because we're going to go into detail with experts and expose the indoctrination that's happening in government schools.
1: Wow, this is uh, phenomenal. I'm so grateful that you uh, put this together to really break it down for parents. I mean, even myself taking some of the diversity diversity training through different uh, corporations and such, I see the absolute focus on victim, what I call victim boxes of certain people, whether it be gender or your skin color or your sexual orientation. And I'm like, why is everyone being put into a victim boss It has everyone looking at someone based on things that are not important about you, my skin tone should not be the importance of who I am as a being a human being. Um, I'm more than my skin tone, or, you know, how I you know, operate sexually. That's not who I am as a person. And uh, what is your perspective on why this has become so prevalent on the push for looking at people through these small, minute, um, uh, micro Yeah, yeah.
0: So what my research has proven is Mm -hmm. that um, critical theory, so there's more than just critical race theory, critical theory itself uh, was founded by Marxists in Germany. Hmm. And and there was a, you may have heard of the Frankfurt School. Yes. Well, so the Frankfurt School where the Marxists had developed this theory during World War II, the Nazis pushed them out and they moved to America. Uh, they went to Columbia University and that's when they began to infiltrate all of our colleges and universities.
1: Hmm. So this
0: critical theory is, um, a, it's Marxist in its roots and it is an intentional agenda to pit People groups against one another wow. in order to collapse the society. And the end goal is to um, change our form of government from a constitutional wow. republic into a Marxist and even communist form of government. Wow. So the critical theories, uh, there's critical race theory, critical gender theory, um, Mm -hmm. critical queer theory. So all of these theories are put together in something called culturally relevant pedagogy, which was founded by a woman named Gloria Ladson Billings in the 90s. And so she put all of these theories together under this umbrella. And that's what's happening in the K-12 schools. And that's what you're seeing even in corporate America. Mm -hmm. So what you have is on one side are oppressors, people that oppress other people groups, and mm. on the other side are the oppressed.
1: Mm. So
0: on the oppressor side, those are uh, largely male, white, mm. heterosexuals, and even Protestants. So Christians are even considered oppressors. Mm. And then on the flip side, you have um, those who are oppressed. And so it's every other race and ethnicity other than white. Mm-hmm. Uh, females are considered oppressed. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't feel very oppressed. Um, and then LGBTQ and and then what they call minority religions are oppressed. Mm-hmm. So the, the white heterosexual males are uh, dominating and oppressing all these other folks. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, It's so sad that it's come this far in our culture in America, where it has permeated nearly every institution. And now that it's going down to K-12 education, people are finally recognizing that this is a huge problem Um, because a lot of adults have have turned a blind eye to it and, you know, just tolerated uh, whatever their businesses or the colleges and universities were requiring of them just doing whatever was necessary to get through and... Now that it's in K-12 education, parents are very upset that their yeah. children are being, you know, and it's you said victim boxes. Well, it is a victim mentality.
1: Yeah, so it's not good for
0: white kids or black kids.
1: And here's the thing. It's interesting that you mentioned this has been going on and came to Columbia University and started to initiate into the school doctrine and and then eventually culture. Because I remember I went to high school in the late 80s. And I remember a moment I was talking to my husband earlier this week of sitting at a lunchroom table with a whole group of students that we hung out together one was black, one was Jewish, we were all different. One was Hispanic, I was white, but a whole group of different individuals. And we sat there one day talking about who's the most victimhood I came from an Irish background, the Irish used to be indentured servants, the black girls like, well, we were enslaved and brought here against our will. And then Jews were like, we had the Holocaust. And so we were like comparing notes who had the bigger victimhood. And it was it was, you know, we were still friends, but the idea that we were thinking like that like who can who can get the bigger victim box who can raise their hand say oh no that's me i'm the bigger victim i'm like how do we ever get there that we thought that was a good idea because to me you can't grow and be your fullest potential as a human if you're thinking of yourself as a victim you can't have both a victim and a victor you have to choose one
0: Right, right. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the, the devastating effect on minority populations, in, mm-hmm. in my opinion, because these children are taught that their um, value and worth is all dependent on white people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that is definitely a victim mentality. And it's, it certainly will hold back, I think, minority students from being the high achiever that they have the potential of being. Yeah. So, so it is, it's very sad. And it's, mm-hmm. um, you know, white kids are bullied, and mm-hmm. black kids are told they're victims.
1: Yeah, and yeah. it's okay to bully other people, because you're a victim. So you have to, you know, uh, push against your, your, um your oppressor, which, again, it's putting us all in. And it's interesting, because what it eventually does, and you were saying it came from Marxist ideas, because if we Are breaking ourselves down in the country from within, and all you know, fighting against each other, it can't hold itself up. We will collapse as a country because all of us are fighting against each other. We don't have a common value.
0: That's exactly right, and we know uh, the common saying is a house divided against itself will surely fall. Mm -hmm. So that's the intentional agenda in this, and and that's why people need to wake up, and that's what we're hoping this documentary is going to do. Because you know, parents have begun to wake up but we need more than just parents because even if you don't have kids in government schools or grandkids in government schools, this is an issue that is about our very freedom as a country. Yeah. And so we are. A, while lots of parents have pulled their kids out of government schools and mm-hmm. homeschooling has just grown and grown, um, We're still educating the masses in government schools, and we're churning out little Marxists and communists every day. They think it's cool. They think that's how our government should be, and they're going to be our future decision makers. So if you care about the freedom of this country, then I encourage you to get involved. And so one of the ways you can get involved is to go to our website, it's USPIE.org. So that's for our uh, USPI organization. You can sign up to join the movement there and you can look Mm -hmm. to see if there's a chapter in your state that you can get involved with. And if there's not a chapter, we pray that people will consider um, becoming involved and helping us to start a chapter in their state. So Mm -hmm. one other place I'd love for them to visit is the documentary website and they're both linked. If you go to one you can get to the other. But the documentary specific website is truthandliesfilm.us. And they can sign up there, find ways that they can view the documentary after its initial release at the end of next week.
1: That's awesome. I'm excited for them to check that out. And like you said, it's true. They don't have you don't have to be a parent for, to be concerned about this cuz this is hitting even media. Every time you turn on a movie, there's some kind of pushing of all of these ideas that oh pushing it down your throat, you got to believe it. And it's become concerning to me, I hadn't really thought about it prior. But you know, starting to see everyone through a lens of victimhood, and I don't want to be a victim. And I don't want anyone I know to be a victim, I want them to rise to their fullest potential and create a wonderful life for themselves. But they can't do that. They're seeing themselves as a victim and then some oppressor out there that's, you know, putting them into the ground, we have to start getting away from that mentality. And before we leave, though, I'd like for you to touch upon um, the sexualization. You had mentioned, you know, sex education um, changing um, and kind of wh- what is your perspective on why that's come about in the school system? Why are we even talking about sex to children? What is that about? <laughs>
0: Well, unfortunately, that's been going on for some time. Um, Comprehensive sex education has been in the schools for decades. Mm -hmm. But it is, I I think, what changed everything was when the Supreme Court made the ruling on gay marriage. And that just, and everybody that was against that knew that that would just swing the door open for all of these other ridiculous uh, sexualization of children uh, Mm -hmm. concepts, like transgenderism which has become huge. I was talking with a mother the other day who has a fifth grader. And she said that there were three students in that child's fifth grade class that were transgender. Now, when you and I were going to school and and you're a little younger than me, but I I don't remember any transgenders. I didn't, you know. there was, um, um, what do they call them? The ones that dressed up like women. And so, so there was some of that going on. Um, RuPaul, I'm, I'm trying, I'm, yeah. the name yeah. is escaping me. But anyway, transgenderism uh, was, was non-existent. But now they're teaching children at very young ages that they possibly could be something other than their biological gender. And in our film, we interview a lawyer who started a nonprofit organization called Child Parent Rights. And she mm. is defending families Um, whose children have been groomed in a transgender lifestyle, even given puberty blockers and counseling against their parents without parental consent behind their back. So she has at least three federal cases that she's trying now. So that's why we pull this piece into the documentary so people can see. How insidious it has become. The sexualization of children, the pornography that's in the, the books and the curriculum that they're using, it, it should be illegal. It, it absolutely is illegal, but no one's enforcing the law. And you know, the same thing with critical race theory. It violates the Civil Rights Act and the, the um, Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution. Attorney generals need to be prosecuting this because there's already a law in the books that it violates. And you know that um, in the interview, we also, my daughter-in-law interviews um, Dr. Carol Swain, who's been very outspoken on critical race theory, written an excellent book about it. It's called uh, A Black Eye for America. If anybody wants to get the book, it's a great book on critical race theory. But what she told my daughter-in-law is that the cultural Uh, culture has canceled Martin Luther King, that all of the work of the civil rights movement has been canceled. So because, you know, he said we're supposed to judge people by the content of the character and not by the color of their skin. And that's the opposite of what's happening today.
1: Yeah, it absolutely absolutely is. is. I've I've actually talked to my husband about that. How, yeah, I mean, probably if you were out today and talking about his message, they would say, oh no, you need to be canceled. You're totally a racist or something. I'm like, what? Uh, but you know, also what you mentioned about the sexualization, it is is quite disturbing. And like you said, when I was going to school, we, we didn't have that going on. Uh, we did have talk of maybe here's some contraception if you want to have sex earlier before marriage. Um, but everything was purely scientific, they would show you all the sexual parts and, and you know, what's going on inside your body, because you're 13, you're about to have your period or whatever. But it was clearly completely scientific Um, literature based, it was no sexualization, like here's where this goes and do this with a partner at your young age and stuff like that. I mean, all of that stuff I'm seeing recently, it just just throwing me for a loop that I can't believe you're trying to pass on to children. It's like, the one thing I'm feeling is like, hey, if kids grow up, and they start to go in a direction of saying, hey, I don't really feel comfortable with my own skin. Let's go talk that out with a psychologist or something, or counselor. But to say in high school, oh, you don't feel like that? Okay, go in the next room, we'll give you some uh, hormone blockers. I mean, that's hugely destructive to their growing body. They're not even fully grown yet. And you're starting to mess with their hormone system. It's just nuts.
0: It is, it, it's really sad. And you know, one other thing that we cover in the film and there's actually two other things but one that I wanna mention for sure is mm-hmm. the anti-American propaganda.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So children are being taught to hate their country and and they do, they, I mean, that's why they think communism is cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that has got to stop too. I think we are the only country in the world that doesn't teach their children to be patriotic and love their country. Yeah. So, I mean, even the communists do that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, again, this intentional agenda. And then there's the whole workforce development model of education, which came out of the Clinton era. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's pigeonholing young children. They, they start them about fifth grade with a survey. And then based on that survey, they determine what career field they should be in. And so then by high school, they're having to declare a major and they're even doing away with... Um, diplomas in some, in some states and they're, they're graduating with certificates um, if, of mastery in a certain career field. So then what happens if, you know, I had, when my kids were in college, they didn't even know what they wanted to do after they graduated. And they, they even majored in things like, I have one son that's got a degree in English and he works for our construction company, um, our family business, you know, so he has this degree, but he, he's not applied it because he wasn't sure at that age, what he wanted to do, but now we're expecting fifth graders to know yeah. what they're going to do when they when they when they grow up, and uh, that's an attempt by the government to try to control the economy. And so that's another piece of the film that we expose this government control issue and and how it's damaging young children.
1: Wow, wow. And, you know it's interesting. I had taken a test in in high school where they had told me my best perfect career would be uh, a flower what do you call it Flo- florist? And yeah. I'm so glad I didn't go with that. But <laughs> but it, it's, it, it's interesting, because you know, you don't know you're growing, you're learning, I think, and there was a guy we had on who was running for New York, um, local office, and he had said, um, what I'd like to see is that we at like ninth grade, we end there. And then we make it uh, trade oriented, where you pick different things you're interested in. And then you go out and you get to intern doing it. So then, you get to try it on. It's like slipping on some shoes and see if you like it. Instead of going through a whole college and getting a degree in something, and you're like, "Oh, I hate being a lawyer; it sucks." Um, mm-hmm. This way, work in a law firm, see if you like the environment, and and you know, help out there. You're interning, you're getting experience for jobs later on, and you're seeing if you like to try on those shoes and that career, and see if you want to go forward.
0: Well, you know, I think the solution is that we need to get back to. Um, a time-honored tradition in education and this goes back even before the founding of our country for thousands of years um, children were taught through a classical approach classical education and a lot of um, homeschool parents use classical uh, curricula and Hillsdale College has a classical curricula and and they have what they call Barney Charter schools where they're implementing these curricula and so, that's what we need to return to, which gives children a foundation in the core academics, teaches them how to think instead of what to think, and, and leaves the rest to the child and the family and even their faith community to see what their, their gifts are and make choices from there what their career will be. So that's what we need to return to, and that's what we're advocating for as an that's organization. Awesome.
1: Yeah, because also often, um, and I've heard this um, many years, that people will naturally do things are gifted at and not even consider that that could be a career vocation choice. Um, because when you're really good at something, and it's something your innate ability that God has given you, you just do it. And you don't consider that, oh, maybe this could be used in some fashion as a vocation.
0: Right? Yeah, right. And that's how it should be. And, and not the government determining uh, what career your child is going to have.
1: Absolutely. Well, this has been fascinating. I am so grateful you came out today to discuss this. Again, everyone could go to uh, USPIE.org or they can go to truthandliesfilm.us and check out that documentary coming out. uh, You said this week, correct?
0: Yes, the end of this week.
1: Awesome. Well, I just have to thank you again, Sherry Few, for all the work you're doing and everyone else. Everyone, if you're a parent, if you're not, go out there, check out their website, see how you can participate and help the country, your kids, even yourself. Even if you don't have children, we're all in this country and we can all help to make it better. Thank you so much, Sherry Few, for coming to Forbidden Speech, The Raw Truth, Savvy Broadcasting. Thank you, Christina, for having me. Like, subscribe, and share this episode. To listen to more Forbidden Speech or Savvy Episodes, visit SavvyBroadcasting.com. To find out about our paid sponsorship opportunities or how to become a guest, email Christina at LifeUnscriptedRadio.com.